You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. If the world ends, what are you going to do about it? Meaning, if there's some political collapse of the system, how bad could it get and what should you do? Not only that, what I appreciate about what Tucker told me is that he's doing this anyway because it's just improving his life. So part two of Doomer Optimism with Tucker Max. Here it is. You and I both know very intelligent people when presented with something that's clearly hypocrisy. Like, why weren't these people in the Chaz arrested? Somehow 20,000-person gatherings are COVID-free when a furniture store isn't. Brother, how many times uh, I have to tell you that when faced with truth or group, he, most people pick group? <laughs> but how could, they, how could they rationalize it when you just present it to him that way, though? Dude, I mean, my, how much— how much mental gymnastics do you have to see in people before you realize that the human mind will justify anything if it lets them believe something that gets them what they want? How you see you come from finance. How many times have you seen people believe absolute nonsensical fantasies to arrive at a conclusion that they want? Only 98% of the time or 95? Yeah, or well, if you combine it with media, then it's then it's ninety nine. Right. But but uh, the role of an investor is to kind of get through those hypocrisies. Right. Otherwise, you're going to make a bad investment. Right. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons that finance is, in a lot of ways, a different world. Right. Then now, granted, there's some. Uh, it's not black and white there. But like, probably why you like chess. Because you can argue about chess all day, but what really matters is what happens on the board. Why a lot of people love MMA? Because you can talk about fighting all day. The truth finds you on the mats, right? I think okay. I think for me that kind of because of events like this that that happened to me, let's say over the past few years, I think that drove me towards something where the truth is just on the board. There's nothing but the truth there. And may I don't know. For all I know, maybe that's what drove you to MMA. Although it, it is, I, it's I one of the it, things I love about it. Truly. Is that there's no bullshit yeah. and there's no talking. There's no BS. And there's very few things. If you think about it, what professions are no BS? There's very few. Yeah, very few. Very, 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 very few. Like if you, if you take the standard professions, doctor, lawyer, business. They're, all, they're made up bullshit, all of them. Yeah, there's, there's all BS. It's all narrative. Yeah. So, so and it's been through for, for millennia. And politician, judge, uh, I don't know what other, even. Um, Veterinarian. Is pretty pretty tied to reality. All right, yeah, I think veterinarian is. I was I was about to say busking for money on the street, like playing yeah. a banjo on yeah. the street for money. Totally, there's no bullshit there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's hard for me to find other professions. There aren't there aren't there's many sports, maybe like like a basketball player. There's there's well, although there's politics of getting on the court, I guess in professional basketball, and there's there's a lot of BS in how 
the brand of basketball teams. Yeah, and, and I, there, I don't think it's there's very. I don't know if there's any where it's pure like it's like a light switch where it's like binary, right? I think it's it's degrees, you know. So like you go to you know, Economist is ninety plus percent bullshit. You know, uh, yeah. NBA player is ninety plus percent honest, right? Like um, either you can ball or you can't. And so, like, yeah, there's some level of bullshit about accessibility and this and that. I get you. It's not perfect. But most sports, sports without judges, like, I don't consider uh, as athletic as gymnastics are, right? There's judges. It's like, although they've actually done a lot to make the scoring more objective, so it's actually a lot better now. It's still, judges are judges, right? And so, like, um, sports without judges... Uh, things where the feedback mechanisms are non-human, veterinarians, uh, things like that, or objective chess, um, you know, like those sort of a lumberjack, either you cut the fucking tree down or you don't, right? Like there's those sorts of things to some extent finance, although it's, you know, on the continuum, it depends it's, what it's side. in the middle, if you're, right? It, yes, if totally you're on the side of finance, yeah, when, when you only eat what you kill, like you, you either business either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Or if you're trying to sell something like, oh, buy these mutual funds, that's a hundred percent bullshit. But if you're like, oh, I either, I only make money if, if this investment works out, if it helps people, then I feel there's less bullshit in, in that. But okay, given all this, does it end or does it get worse? Uh, so I think we're past the point of fixing the system. So, I mean, you understand, like, like all empires run in cycles, right? This is, this is one of those things where I thought everyone knew this. And then most people are like, what are you talking about? Empires run in cycles. What? Yeah, because I guess the way history is taught is such complete bullshit. But um, one of the, the things that, like, everyone should know, but I guess they don't, is that history runs in cycles. Like, uh, it, it, I don't think it's that exact, uh, like, super precise, like 13.82 years or whatever. But empires tend to run in very clear sort of stages, right? And America, which is clearly an empire, anyone who says it's not, is just a fool. Um, uh, the American empire is, is in its downfall stage. There's no doubt. It's just clear as day. And so I, I don't think the system is salvageable. I'm not sure when we pass that point, but we're long past it. And so what has to happen now is that it has to collapse and the problem is that most people don't understand what collapse means, right? Like the British Empire collapsed. It doesn't mean England doesn't exist anymore, right? So collapse doesn't mean you go from this vibrant, amazing thing to nothing. That's nonsense. It means what the height of the, I don't know when the peak of the American Empire is going to be pegged. Maybe it's, it's going to be sometime in the last 20 years, right? So sometime probably past 2000 probably before, let's say, 2018, right? Somewhere in there is going to be the peak. And so as we decline, how we decline and what happens in the breakup is going to be, that's the only thing that really we're going to figure out over the next few years. This is what I'm honestly scared about. Let's define decline for a second or, or peak because, you know, still I would say innovation is happening. I mean, it's happening all over the world and we're seeing great innovation happening. And even for instance, China, because they don't have the same rules, regulations as, as we do, but innovation is still happening in the U S we're seeing amazing inventions or developments or whatever. What, what does decline mean? What does peak mean? So I, I mean, as an empire, as a cohesive, organized, functioning, single unit, as an empire, America is done, right? That's it. It's over. 
And the only question now is what comes next? How does the decline go? Right? That's it. That's the, those are the only real questions in terms of if you're looking at America, right? See a lot of, look, like there's so many ways for empires to fall apart. Like the Sumerians, uh, the Romans, the Greeks, the British, the Mongolians, like, there's so there's we have such a long I mean there's so many different Chinese uh, empires, um, uh, uh, you can look at how they fall like right you can have serious collapses where like shit's gone right like the the Mycenaeans right like that that probably happened because of a major natural catastrophe, okay like those are really hard to come back from I, like I who knows those are unpredictable right I don't really see that as being an issue though barring that for America. What we're probably going to see is a slow decline and then a fracturing of uh, the United States. I don't whether that means a full-on national divorce, whether it means breaking up into more of a federated European model, whether it means – who knows what it fucking means, man. But like I was telling you before, what's become very clear at a core minimum is that there are a lot of people in America that I have no desire to share a state – or a set of assumptions. We, we no longer share a set of assumptions. So why would we share a state? I don't need them and I don't want them. And why we, should we be making group decisions? Like that doesn't make sense. Let the people who want to wear masks alone in their car go live somewhere where that they think that that magical uh, uh, thinking produces benefit. Cool, man. I wanna live on a ranch with people who wanna produce cool stuff and hang out in nature and uh, not be a lunatic about bullshit, right? We don't have to live together. And, right, and we're seeing that people are voting with their feet. Like uh, a, a data came out for 2021 where people are moving. So uh, you see that the states of California, New York, Illinois, hundreds of thousands of people left. And at the other side, you Texas, see Texas, Florida, Florida Tennessee. I think Utah, yeah, Tennessee, Idaho, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, yep. people have been moving towards. Yep. And so people, but but at the same time, uh, you see people, and Arizona's on the list too, where people are moving. And you see people saying, you know, on both sides, people are saying, don't bring your politics here. But of course, which is, I know, I think that's great. Like if you're yeah. one of those fucking lunatics who think that we should defund all the police all at once and that, uh, uh, that we should, um, have homeless encampments everywhere and all that shit that they were trying to do in Austin, go to LA or New York where they already have that. Like, that's great. Go live there. We know what those policies look like. They create a hellscape. Go fucking live in it. Get the fuck so, out. So do you see what's happening is maybe this is a peaceful transition to, to maybe this is the most, Man, I hope, this is more, I hope it like, is. Like, like, what do you see as a worst case scenario and a best case scenario? I mean, dude, I don't know uh, what world you live in, but uh, <laughs> I have never seen sociopaths give up power peacefully. I've seen it taken yeah. from them, and I've seen uh, not that bad of wars or fights. I have never seen sociopaths give up power peacefully. I, I would love to know the counterexample. There might be a couple. I just don't know what they are. Uh, but so even if there are a couple counterexamples, in the vast majority of cases, sociopaths don't give up power peacefully, right? Uh, so uh, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. My, I, I mean, I wrote about it in the article. Um, my guess, 
I don't know, dude, there's so many things at play. The, the problem with predictions is that even for me, like I'm smart as fuck and I get how bad predictions are. And I, it's, it's like getting that, I'm going to make predictions and I'm going to fall into the same traps is that they're so linear, right? It's like, oh, okay, right. this will happen, then this, then this, then this, then this, then this. No, that never accounts for all kinds of other feedback loops and changes, right? You know, that's a really great point. Predictions are not one dimensional, they're three dimensional because there's always lots of choices after the first event and happens. reactions and then, happen that you can't yeah. predict or even know about, man. Like, there's no fucking way you could predict and know. But, but I like how in your article you say you, you describe how you're preparing for what comes next. This is why I distinguish between what you're doing and prepping is that you're not running into a cave with lots of canned foods, you say no matter what happens next, you would be doing the same thing. So yes. maybe describe what you're, you, and right. I really, I think that's valuable because what you describe is actually a very great lifestyle that I'm sure many would aspire to. Yes, so, so all right. You know, it's funny, man. After the, I, I wrote that article, I got any, a lot of tons of email feedback, but one email, one email really actually hit me in the gut, man. Uh, is this Indian guy, and he's like, hey, man, maybe it's just a language <laughs> translation thing but where's the optimism and i was like right fuck he's right like i i was <laughs> thinking about that as well but i get it because well so, you know hold, hold on yeah l l let me actually explain why i'm optimistic right because I, I i think i i I, I, d I did talk about it in the piece but obliquely and i bounced off it and i did not go into it right so let me start with last year two years ago now, 2020, when COVID hit, I was one of those people for whom COVID was one of the best things that's ever happened to me, right? Not at first, right? Because of like business crash and all this stuff. Business are great now. But at the beginning, it was really rough. But then once I got through, you know, March, April, by May and June, definitely, I realized, okay, hold on a minute. I don't just love my family. I like my family. And I like spending all this time with them. This is actually awesome. What the fuck was I doing before? <laughs> like, what the hell was I doing? Like, I, I was doing all these things. Kind of, it just really gets us back to what we talked about at the beginning. I was doing all these things that I thought I should be doing. Uh, and now I don't have to do them. And I don't fucking miss any of them hardly. And I really like what I've replaced them with. And uh, which is spending time with the people I love. And then I, my wife and I always wanted to live on land. We always wanted to kind of be closer to nature, raise our kid. And we, we realized, like, what the fuck are we waiting for? Like, what the hell is going on? And so, so then the two things kind of came together, right? And I realized I don't want to spend my life on a treadmill, on a, a, a running my ass off to do a bunch of things I don't care about to impress a, a bunch of people I don't like, buying shit I don't need, just like straight out of Fight Club, right? So I really, like, what do I want? I want, it gets back to exactly what I said. I want to spend time with the people I love doing things that matter to them and improving the immediate world that I live in. And the only way to do that, that I know of, is to live on land, to work that land, to husband that land, I mean that in the agricultural sense, and to produce a lot of what it is you, you use. Now I'm not, like I want electricity, this isn't like weirdo Amish, 
Like, I'm not going to use electricity or air conditioning shit. Like, nothing against the Amish, but I like modern stuff. But at the same time, the vast majority of shit in our life we don't need. And and is a distraction to, to avoid all, to get us on this consumerist corporate bullshit treadmill that doesn't Do you think serve a lot us. Of people- do you think a lot of people did get off that treadmill? Because yes. I think you a notice huge number. right now, people aren't going to work. Like there's there's 10 million job openings in the U.S. and only 7 million people looking for jobs. I've never seen that kind of Dude, uh, disparity. I think a lot of people woke up, man. I think a shit, I did. I, man, James, I thought I understood this and I thought I was awake. And actually my wife and I had all these desires and dreams and hopes in January of 2020 but we weren't doing shit about it. We were stuck on the treadmill and we thought we weren't. I was just as blind, all the people that I'm like talking about now, I was just as blind then. The difference is I didn't even realize how blind I was because I thought I knew. Now, the only thing I've really realized is that how blind I was then. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Here's this thing I love. Why don't I just go do that? Right? And and the way to, that's the thing. Old school prepping is let's endure this disaster and then go back to reality. Doomer optimism is let's change the way we live so that our lives are actually what we want them to be and actually produce more life, are generated. And, and, is, and is survivable in a, I feel survivable in a worst case scenario. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're optimal, if you feel your optimal life is living in a penthouse in New York City, that might not survive a political collapse. Right. I don't mean anything. There's nothing. I don't mean nothing. Judgment. No judgment about living in a city and do. I used to do that. I love. There's things about that that are cool, but in a world that is no longer able to be hyper connected, that is no longer uh, 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 able to be extremely extractive of the environment and of labor, that lifestyle is not sustainable. It's just not. It's not even doable anymore. Just so for you, not. there's 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 land, which kind of implies independence. Like if you're on your land that you own and it's kind of out of the city. I'm a big fan nobody, of sovereignty, man. Individual sovereignty. Human sovereignty means food sovereignty. It means water sovereignty. It means energy sovereignty. The more and, of those things that you can produce on your own or with your group around you, the free, the easier it is to be free. And then the other thing you mentioned, which I think is really good, is that it, it's not just about, again, having the canned food stored up, although you do mention having food stored up, which I think is a great point, no matter what. Um, but you also say take care of yourself physically, which is really important. If, if hospitals are, are not around, you need to, to be in, in good shape and, and, and I mean, so on. It's more, dude, like our bodies are the, the one physical thing that we absolutely own is our physical bodies. Like, well, there's nothing that, that, think about how ridiculous, how many people do you see that are incredibly out of shape that take a ton of care of their car? It's like, nothing against your car, man, but what what are you doing? Right. <laughs> you know, what, what are you doing? Where are your priorities? Like, if I actually say that I love my family, doesn't that mean I want to spend as much time as possible with them, meaning years? Yeah. Am I going to do that? Uh, not treating my body well? No, I'm not. I'm just not. Am I going to enjoy the years I have with them? No. Am I going to be able to have sex with my wife if I'm a disgusting, impotent fatty? No, I won't. So I'm not going to do that. It's pretty simple. 
I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours, and they they were willing to pay for everything for me. So. I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see, you'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter and I got nonstop really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast and the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just, just go there and try it. Try ziprecruiter.com slash James, amp up your hiring performance. Now this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You also bring up the power of community, which I think is very important. Well, that's, I mean, community is the thing. Okay, so you, again, brings us back to the beginning. Humans are, primates are hierarchical, but more than hierarchical, primates are social. First, before hierarchy, if there is a deepest embedded sort of nature to primates, it is social. And we are the naked social primates, humans are. And so uh, humans don't even exist without community. Like, I mean, we know what it's like when you raise a human in a closet with no human interaction, unfortunately, because it's happened. And they're not humans. They're, they're, they're hardly even animals. They're non-functional beings. We exist in relation to each other, right? And, and most of our modern world, and I, I, you know, a lot, I don't know if this is a conspiracy or not. It doesn't matter how it happened, but we are here in a modern world that 
if you default to the if you allow the defaults of the modern world to be your life, you are lonely, isolated, sad, sick, unhealthy, uh, and, and exploited. But the big one, the first one, is lonely, alone. I I agree with that because look, I've I I feel like I've been on every side of this equation, and loneliness. When, when you definitely sign up for a hierarchy and you start to fail in that hierarchy, which is inevitable, every hierarchy has ups and downs, fear and loneliness are the first two things that happen. Like stark fear for your life because it's a natural thing. If you're the omega of the tribe, you're going to be left out to die. And loneliness because you don't have your community. It's so funny, man. Like uh, ask people, like one of the other things, like what would you love your day to be? And if you really like you know, strip away all the bullshit, most people, I know myself, like, here, let me, fuck that. L let me tell you what my ideal day is. It's basically what I do now, except there's a couple things that I'm, I'm trying to add on. But I wake up uh, without an alarm clock next to my wife that I love. Sometimes we have sex in the morning, sometimes not. Kind of depends. She's pregnant now, so more than often not, but whatever. Then our kids wake up, they come down. We drink tea together. We have breakfast. There's no rush to get anywhere, right? You know, we get them ready. They go to, to school. Then she and I generally work from home, right? Ideally, then, we have lunch together. And then the thing we don't have yet that we're now adding on, now that we're on land and there's a lot of people around us in our community that we really like and that have moved there, kind of, is that... Maybe not every single night because that might be a little tedious, but two, at least two or three nights a week, people are in our community are coming over and having dinner with us or we're going to their place and having dinner with them. Whether it's just us and one family, whether it's us and four or five other families, uh, like, you know, we, have, we do a fire, we cook on the fire or we just, you know, cook normal and then just go. But like we commune with each other, right? Our kids now play together right? We, with people we know, we, uh, uh, we eat together. We do things with people we like that we want to do with, right? Which a lot of people are like, oh, but you can get that in the city. Yeah, not really. N definitely not outside of cars. And definitely like it's, that's not, that's not, you're seeing the same people over and over. Uh, the only people I know of that have lives like that uh, as a group in America are religious people. Right. And nothing against religion, but like, I'm not going to join the Mormon church just to have a community. So I'm going to build my own. Right. And not, not the community of Tucker. <laughs> like it's just, I'm going to, we're going to build something. And then other people who like it are going to be part of it. It's their community too. So that's what What's our the role day of virtual is like? in this. Cause I feel like, look, I've, I have felt always, you know, you and I, for instance, are in the same kind of overall community, but we've never lived by each other. Like what, but I find in the past few months or year, I don't really use the internet that much <laughs> other than to do these podcasts. For instance, I don't look at, at news sites. I don't look at, I don't surf the web or anything like what's the role of virtual community. You know, it's a good question, man. Um, I'll tell you straight up. I, I it's one of the ways I, I think the way the American empire is going to fracture will be on several, several different lines. And I think very few of them are going to be the ones you'd expect. One of the ways, though, that, that I think America is going to fracture that is predictable is along 
um, uh, virtual or real lives. Or I should say physical, because real is a little, little bit of a loaded word. I think there are a lot of people who are going to double down on metaverse. Like, basically, they're going to go into the matrix. And I mean that more metaphorically than literally, yeah. although who fucking knows? Um, I, look, I like the internet. I like connectivity, but I only like it as a tool. I like it the way I like my hammer and the way I like my screwdriver. Like, I don't want my hammer all the time with me hitting everything. Like, I don't hit my kid with a hammer. That would suck. But I use my hammer when I need to nail something. I, if I use the internet for everything, that's like using a hammer for everything. It's going to suck sometimes. As a tool, I love it. But um, especially the last two years, I have really learned how to use this as a tool and not how to live on it. And I think the vast majority of people who are going to be effective and healthy and productive and happy in the coming decades are people who are moving away from digital spaces being their prime spaces. Not, I, I'm not sure. There's, I think there's using digital connect to connect with the community and then great, no problem. That's awesome, right? It's not, I don't think this is in the clear divide. But the ones who use digital to augment physical, I think that's fantastic. The ones who see physical as almost like just the meat space for the real world of digital, I think the world's going to be rough for them. Yeah, so so it's interesting. I guess, again, a lot of this, I want to bring it back to what we were originally discussing, which was the role of ambition in this. Like you are one of, if not the best writer out there, one of the best writers out there. And this is clearly where, you know, a skill you've spent decades building up and you and as, you know, shown by the reaction to your recent article, that skill is, is very much there. Where do you see your, your writing going through this? What do you, what are you going to, what are you going to write about next? Or is there, is there such a thing as a book in the, in the future or, or, you know, is it posts? Is it, what do you, what are you, are you going to do fiction? Are you going to do James, nonfiction? James, uh, I would be the big, if, if I had laid out a clear plan for you for the future for me, then everything I said about ambition would have been total bullshit. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, all right. All right. Uh, maybe I was trying to trap you. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing wrong with that, man. Um, uh, uh, I guess, I guess I always ask you questions. I ask myself. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let me tell you, I do have a view of this, uh, but it's definitely not a clear specific. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. Um, yeah. my view is, <laughs> so I'm not comparing myself to him, please. I'm just learning from him. But, um, I read one of my favorite books I've read the last couple of years. I'm not going to say recommending this to most people because it's kind of a weird, thick, long book, but it's called, um, uh, Old Path White Clouds. It's a, a novelized. What the hell? I have not heard of this. Yeah, it's a novelized version of the Buddha's life by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's like a very famous uh, Vietnamese Oh, yeah, yeah. Buddhist I've met him. Right. Uh -huh. So uh, uh, he, not many people in America know about this book, but he basically took most of the old school Pali canon and, and some of the, the oldest, oldest uh, Buddhist writings and, and wrote like a, a novelized version of the Buddha's life. And I loved I did it. Not know about I thought this. it was amazing. It was an incredible book. Um, it's like, don't read it because it's high literature, read it because it's a really awesome way to learn about the Buddha. And that one of the insights that I took from the book, one of the things that Buddha said was, um, you know, cause the question he got a lot was like, what's the point of life? What's your goal? What are you supposed to be doing? Especially his uh, Buddhist disciples would ask him. 
And he always said the same basic thing, which is, uh, I, I'm not trying to quote the Buddha. I'm just paraphrasing the way I took it. Your job here is to do your work and then share your work with others so that it might help them. So that's all I'm going to do, man. That's like the do more optimism piece. What did I do? I, I just told, I did my work. So I got to a place where in my life where I was happy and on the right path and figuring some things out. And then I, sh I a lot of people that I told about that were interested. So I wrote the thing up, told them about it. And notice how, James, I didn't tell anyone what to do. I didn't say, go in there. I defy you to find the word should in there. It might be in there. If it is, I need to take it out. But at no point was I like you. I didn't I hardly use the word you. Like you should, you ought to, you need to, you must. I don't think I used any of those terms. Um, at least not in the sense of like telling other people what to do. Um, I as I basically have cut that from my life, man. Because I, I don't know what other people should do. Like that's no, and I'm not trying to tell other people what to do or how to live. I am just going to do my work. And I'm going to share it with the world. And if it helps others, awesome. And then and then one one last thing about all this. And by the way, uh, I just literally, I just bought the book that you just recommended. It was written in 1987. I had no idea. Like I've read a lot of books by by him. I don't know how Tick Not On. And, you know, a lot of them are from the past decade, two decades. I didn't know he was writing uh, back then. So I just, I just bought the book. The other thing is I would recommend uh, Stephen Batchelor's book, on um, Buddhism or Confessions of a Buddhist Atheist yeah. because there's probably similar themes. I have read but, that. Um, it's good. He's good. He's smart. Yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, uh, so that's interesting. But, okay, a lot of the stuff you say, somebody might be thinking, and I think they're wrong in thinking this way, but they might be thinking, oh, you need money to, to do these things that Tucker is suggesting. And I don't think that's true as evidence by the fact that— You definitely need money to do what I've done. <laughs> To buy fucking okay. ranch in Jerping Springs. Good luck. Yes, but I think I think to live I think to live a simpler life though. No, you you see the fact that so many people have dropped out of the workforce or the traditional workforce that there are many paths to to get to this point. Absolutely, you you need money. Uh, the the idea that you need money is an idea of the consumerist corporate culture. They want you to think that because it keeps you on their treadmill. It keeps you in their hierarchy. You just don't like, uh, I listen, I'm not going to tell you that money, uh, doesn't work really well for a few things. Cause it does. It has made my transition to this life way easier. Truly, man. If I had to do this with three kids and a wife and no money, it's doable, but it would be rough. It'd be hard. It would take a lot more work. So it's been easier, but you can totally do this with very, very, very little money. I, I, let, let me give you a couple uh, examples because I know like most people who don't have money tend to have a very defeatist scarcity mindset and they don't believe it without examples, right? So I'll tell you right now, we are going into a phase right now where if you have real hard vocational skills, you are going to be one of the most valuable people in the world. And I mean like, can are you a plumber? Are you an electrician? Are you a hmm. diesel mechanic? Are you a metal fabricator? Are you a carpenter? Hmm. Like, uh, can you do HVAC repair? Can, those sorts of things used to be, so-called blue-collar jobs were very looked down upon. You can walk into, today, you can walk into almost any, uh, uh, if you have no skills, none of those skills, like you don't even know what a diesel engine is, let's say. You can walk into a diesel repair shop as long as you are st like uh, uh, punctual 
and and not completely mentally direct, they'll train, they'll pay you to train you in these skills because everyone is so desperate for anyone who can who does anything well that if you just show up and do your best, they'll pay you probably 15 or 20 bucks an hour to get trained. Right. And then once you're actually, let's say, a metal fabricator, you're charging whatever you want. You're, I mean, you're 50, 100 bucks an hour. If you're a master electrician, you're charging anything you want. Like we, I'm building all kinds of stuff at my ranch and we found a, a, a contractor and dude, bless his heart, man. Like this guy's like a great contractor and he basically uh, can charge anything he wants. Like uh, anything. Anything he wants, because we can't even—you can't even find good ones. And he's like nice, and he's not gouging us, but charging us double what we would have paid three years ago for the same job. And we feel like we're, yeah, man, at least he's not screwing us. <laughs> like, seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding, man. Like, uh, I love the dude. Uh, if you can actually do real things with your hands, your future is absolutely golden. Right now. And and what can you do? So it's a great question. I actually have decided one of the hard skills, right? Because I've got all kinds of amazing skills. I don't have a lot of hard skills, mechanical, vocational skills. I'm going to develop as carpentry. Like I've always loved working with wood. Um, and so, and it's, it's a very easy place to start. I'm going to start with carpentry. I actually... Don't hold me to this. I'm not promising. I'm, I, I'm definitely going to get good at wood because I've already built a, a few things. I built a shelf. I'm doing a cutting board now, like, you know, the basic entry level things. And I can already tell I'll be I'll be workable at this. Like I'll probably, you know, I'm not going to be Bob Vila or some shit, but I'll be good enough. I, I The thing I really want to get into is blacksmithing because that's always seems super fun to me. But and that but that's hard, man. Dealing with metal. And I don't just mean skill hard. I just mean like like. Man, the, the, the level of artistry it takes to be like a, a good knife smith. You think, oh, how hard can that be? Dude, you have no idea. Those people are as skilled as the greatest winemakers or the greatest artists on earth. Maybe more skilled. It's insane. I, I agree with you. Yeah, but like, so I think carpentry and then maybe blacksmithing. I feel like I don't know what I would do. Maybe plumbing because I'm so used to dealing with shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, 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 like hard skills. Do you, I'm, not, I'm not saying we, everyone like you're good at a lot of things, man. I'm just talking about for someone who has no money, right? And they're like, well, how do I even start, dude? If you are, uh, it'll take you a couple of years to be a serviceable electrician. You can literally pick wherever you want to live and pick your salary. And by the way, as people start to build communities and begin to live as communities, which is going to have, it is a major trend. I haven't even brought up one of the major projects that I have because I don't even want to open that Pandora's box. But long, long story short, and don't you dare try and get me to expand on this, James, because I won't, is that um, me and some people are getting together and we're building a town, like an actual town, like a real, like a town town, right? Like an old school, like European style town uh, in Texas. And literally the first thing we're going to have to do is find craftsmen, masons, plumbers, electricians. And those people are going to get in like we're, we're going to if they're good, they're going to get the best deals of anyone. All the rich people are going to have to buy their way in and they're going to have to pay okay, a I, lot. I swear to God, I'm going to I'm going to work on my plumbing skills over the next year <laughs> so I could so I could sign up. But uh, Tucker, once again, as always. So fascinating to have you on the show. You've, you've been the guest that's been on the show the, the most. And 
I was really not only fascinated by your article on doom, doomer optimism and everyone can check it out at tuckermax.com, but I was really, I heard about the article when I saw two people arguing about it on Facebook and one person was saying, you should kick this guy out of your group. And like, <laughs> and I, and it reminded me, like I was literally kicked out of a bunch of Facebook groups after a, a certain article of mine. The and, New York one, right? The New York. Yeah. Is the New York one. And like, people just don't want to hear it. And like, they kick him out of the group. And even though I was like, no, this is how you get your group better <laughs> is to consider these issues that a certain element didn't want that. But, uh, uh, and like you say, these are not, you're not like prepping for an atomic war. You're like doing things you would normally w should do, you know, like keeping good care of yourself, understanding plumbing, having electricity, uh, getting food for your family and, and so on. So, but always it's uh, fascinating to, to talk to you. And, and uh, look, I, um, Rob and I have to visit uh, Texas before the next kid's born because I'm sure you're going to be very busy then. Dude, we're, so we're, we're not that far away. We're finishing a guest house soon. You know uh, you and the wife are always welcome. And vice versa. We have a guest house, but I know you're, you're, you're nesting now because Veronica's yeah. preparing for, yeah. for number four. Yep. So good luck, and let's, let's, we'll definitely talk soon. Definitely. Thank you, man.